do something to wrestle with it. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. What a rib. No, you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. I ain't scared of shit. Fuck him. You, Bruce. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With. A tired, hurting for certain, Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Just another day in paradise, by golly. You know, uh, just sleeping great, (laughs) (laughs) moving around with uh, absolutely no problems whatsoever. And, you know, it's funny. For those of you that are listening to us, not watching us on YouTube, I appreciate that. Um, You can't see this sling. It looks like just a sling, but I I was able to find a shirt that would like hide half of it. And, you know, comments being made about, well, CM Punk did did play-by-play and all this stuff a week later. Yes, he did, man. He's a tough son of a bitch and a great guy. CM Punk also didn't have major shoulder surgery 10 days before that, where they repaired his labrum, his rotator cuff, and had a torn tricep as well. So, um, yeah, man, and I'm not working out and taking bumps in the ring all the time. So my body's not conditioned to that now. I'm old. I'm old, Conrad. I'm old, I'm feeble, and I hurt. Okay, even uh, even in, even even in the best of times, man, it still hurts to stand up. Sure. So, you know what, man? That's yeah. So let's recap. That's how I'm feeling. Uh, last year, you had the other shoulder done, and then about ten, eleven weeks ago, you had this shoulder done. And uh, as I understand it, oh, not even, man. This was this is like the. Uh, the week before Christmas, right? Oh, okay. Christmas. Yeah. So, so there you go. Right before Christmas, you have that shoulder done. And you told me that the other shoulder was like one incision and you thought, well, no problem. I mean, it sucked, but I could manage that. And you kind of thought that's what this would be. This wound up being four incisions. And you said, you know, you had to do something with the rotator cuff and something with the labrum. And I mean, this was a much bigger process with some, some sort of calcium explosion or something. I mean, this was a much, much different shoulder surgery than the first one, right? Yeah. This shoulder surgery consisted of when they got into it, they found out, Oh, wow. This is a lot worse than what we saw on the MRI. Mm. Because when you actually get into and you, the MRI doesn't show you what's underneath a lot of that scar tissue sometimes. So when they got into that and they went, uh Oh, and then they, start following things down and go, man, where's this bicep? Oh, no jokes there, folks. Um, and they found that my bicep on my left shoulder had torn and was hanging on by like that. 
So they repaired that while they were in there. Uh, then you fast forward. God, and, I, and to tell you what I did to really make it bad was I, I was something I can't do. I can't tell you. All of a sudden, I banged my elbow, and I thought that I ruptured my bursa sac. Your bursa sac, or where I'll do it. I'll try to do it there. Okay, okay. See, oh, right. it's like right about there on your elbow. Yeah, it swelled all up. Put ice on it. Went to bed. Woke up in the morning. Swelling was down. Pain was intense. But I go to TV anyway. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're an idiot. Okay, he said that I could go to TV in six weeks. So I had been six days, so I felt I could go to TV. Right, he did say I six. Yes. Yeah, there was a six in there. Yes. So I went to TV, and I had uh, our fine staff take a look at it, and um, wonderful, one of my favorite doctors came in, and she just like grabbed me and goes, oh, yeah, you have nothing there. What do you mean I have nothing there? Because you have no tricep. And I said, no, I do. Look. And she goes, Bruce, it's torn. I mean, it's it's like not there. So then I call my guy in Connecticut, and he says, get in here right away. And I got in there right away, and he looked at it. He's, oh, yeah, we got to do surgery. Damn it. Went downstairs, did the old MRI, and it wasn't even 10 minutes when he said, he goes, hey, yeah, we have to do this now. And we did it now. Then when they get in there, they find out a tricep surgery is very painful, but it's, it's like not the end of the world. Right. <laughs> Unless. Uh-oh. You have... A, big calcium deposit right there that explodes and calcium tips get all in your the ligaments and everything going on and that's what happened so they had to take like they showed me what they did but i say they vacuumed out right all of the calcium deposits in the ligaments and in my muscle and all that stuff that hurt like hell and um Wrap me up and here I am. Scale of one to ten. How uh how's your pain? Right now? Yeah. And right now I'm probably at about a four. Okay. So you know, I mean, right this minute. If you were to ask me the same question uh by the end of the day, I'll be at about a six or a seven. But I'm I'm up, I'm good, I'm moving around. Um, the moving around part is, is what really irritates it and sucks. I think if they could, they would have put me in a full body cast from the upper extremities just to make sure that I don't move. Cause as soon as they put it on, I started trying to move it going, Oh my God. He goes, yeah, don't do that. Don't, that's why you don't move. So it's cast underneath here so that it doesn't move and it has a gimmick on it and all that stuff. I just. I'm not a show off like punk. Oh, look at me. I hurt my arm. Show well, off. Well, as you said, you know, different ages, different levels of athleticism at this stage. And he's not coming off of all of those incisions and surgeries for the shoulder 
I mean, back to back, I mean, as I understand it, you were like just a couple of weeks into rehabbing the shoulder when the tricep thing happens. So you're probably yeah. what? Six, seven weeks from being close to being back to normal. Yeah. At least. Yeah. That sucks, dude. At least it sucks. We tried to get a two for one as well. <laughs> you and Phil just tried to yeah. do two, two, two triceps with one. I do. What do you think? We could just get this thing and like so, do two for one, and then we could be in there together. We could hang out and all that stuff. And well, and, and, and you're doing straight edge too, so you're straight edge, uh, Bruce Pritchard right now. I'm straight edging it too. That's for sure. Yeah, I uh, I know we we hoped to record last weekend because you were fresh off of the surgery and had, I guess the term is a nerve block. And you were feeling no pain. And then that wore off the next day. And, uh, it was a whole new world. Fair to say. That would be very fair to say it sucked. It was like, um, I didn't, I did not expect that my, my very first, uh, shoulder surgery that I had, everybody told me how bad shoulder surgery is. And that this is that you don't want the shoulder, anything but the shoulder. Right. No problem. No problem at all. It was, this is a cake. I can do this in my sleep. And I can do everything I want to do. I can do all this. I can do all that. I can do everything. This one? Now I understand what everybody else was talking about. I had the one in a million. Well, we, uh, we got a, address the elephant in the room. I mean, a lot has happened since we recorded and I know a lot of people have been waiting to hear your reaction. So, I mean, let's just go ahead and, and share the news here. Dr. Tom is going in the hall of fame and we are so excited to see that, uh, your brother has uh, earned his rightful spot in the Tragos and Thez hall of fame, the TNT professional wrestling hall of fame earning the well-deserved Vern Gagne trainer award helps so many guys become who they are in professional wrestling, still doing it today in Knoxville at the, uh, Jacobs Pritchard wrestling Academy, man. How about that? Your brother hall of famer. Well-deserved. No, not a more deserving uh, person received that award on the face of the earth. In my opinion, I think that Tom always have. Sung it from the heavens. I think that Tom is the single best trainer for what we do anywhere in the world. Um, you know, and if you know Tom, you kind of have to scratch your head and go, how the hell does he have the patience to do this? Because Tom has no patience. I see. Zero. Zilch. Nada. I don't think he has, I don't think he has a patience gene in him. Skipped him. Yeah. But yet he has the utmost patience when he is training someone in uh, sports entertainment and trying to teach people how and not just how to do things, but why to do things. Mm. Where do you put it? Why did you do that? Help me out here. That's just, oh, look at the cool things I can do. Whoop do 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 whoop do whoop do. Okay, now it's your turn. Right. It's like, stop. You just did all that shit 
If I blinked, I missed it. Why? And then you. Why didn't you sell any of them? Tom is able to break down the, the hows and the whys and the why nots. Here's why you shouldn't have done that. And, you know, I've always sung his praises, not because he's my brother, but because I think that he truly is the best trainer in the world. And I've seen a lot of the absolute greatest trainers in the world. And um, I think Tom has learned from all of them. He has a way about him, and it's relatable to the talent in the ring. And it's relatable to those that really want to learn and to those that that feel that they want to be in this business. He'll put you through the paces, and he won't make it easy because it isn't easy. So, you know, for that, uh, you know, I told you this, you know, a while ago. Somebody said, oh, yeah, so-and-so got – you know, it's trainer of the year or whatever. I'm like, going, eh, meant, and I'm not discounting anybody else. I just, to me, and it's not because he's my brother. I just think that he truly is one of the best trainers that uh, I've ever seen. And the, the, the talent that he has had to work with, when you look at the multitudes of of egos even of, of guys coming straight out of the Olympics. Right. That thought that they just deserved to be there or guys that had, had worked for years and oh, I'm already there, but hadn't really learned a thing. Um, I always would say to him about a guy like the rock. I said, man, you trained the rock. Cause man, I didn't train the rock. Those rock came in rocks and natural. Rock knew what to do. He just didn't know how to do it. Ah. And it was like Rock Rock did everything and did everything very well. Tom just helped show him when to do it, why to do it, and and try to help him do some things he didn't know. But he always looks and he downplays what he's done in this business. Of course. Kurt Angle. You know, an Olympic gold medalist, a guy who spends his entire life training to never put his shoulders on the mat. Right. Ever. Because then you lose. Um, In 15 minutes, 15 minutes, Tom showed Kurt Angle how to take a flat back bump so that you're landing flat on your back. Completely counterintuitive to everything that Kurt has ever learned in his entire life. And Kurt was attacking the mat and bumping like Shawn Michaels in 15 minutes. To me, that's an art form. It is. And, you know, Tom will say, oh, no, Kurt was just such a great athlete. Dude, you had had a guy in there that had been working around the business his whole life. Training at the same time, who, would, who who was a second generation wrestler and couldn't take a flat back properly, right? So you know he downplays himself a lot, but I don't think there's a more deserving uh, person for the trainer of the year, and I think it's long overdue and uh, very very much deserved. I'm going to be there. I hope you will join us and make plans to join us in Waterloo as we get closer. We're going to be talking about it more and more, but. 
Uh, a lot of my friends are getting the opportunity to get the nod this year. They've already announced Tony Schiavone and Art Anderson, and now Dr. Tom is in the mix. And I'm excited to see the uh, rest of the class round out. But uh, we're going to have a great time in Waterloo. Hope you can make plans to join us. Of course, I was doing a little tongue-in-cheek there. I wanted to make sure we gave some uh, props to your brother. But, man, the uh, the wrestling world has changed a little bit since you and I were able to sit down and record. And, man, there was a lot of uh, skeptics. Some of your uh, detractors and naysayers said, hey, remember when Vince McMahon would show up to court in a neck brace? Uh, maybe that's why Bruce now is getting surgery. It's awfully convenient that now he needs surgery when all of this is going on, as if it was up to you when you tore your tricep. Uh, or that you knew any of this was coming when you had shoulder surgery. My goodness. Um, well, you know, first of all, it's funny that the first shoulder surgery um, I put off for a long time. This shoulder surgery I should have had well over a year ago. Yes. And Dr. Jeff Dugas in Birmingham <laughs> did the same thing. You know, he looked at it, felt the and goes, yeah, turn later. You need to get that fixed. WrestleMania was coming up. Right. Man, I didn't uh, didn't want to be out for WrestleMania. Then you get to WrestleMania, we sell the company. Okay, don't want to be out then, either. right? So get through that through the merger until the merger's complete, and then the merger's complete, and then boy, then it's really all hands on deck. But then also at the time, being all hands on deck, I think that was also the peak of my. Uh, pain. Yeah. Where I was like, you know what? Last time I was really only out two weeks and um, wasn't that bad as they say. I'm just going to go for it and do it. Get it over with. Woo, buddy. So, um, hey, if you want to go that way, man, go that way. Um, you know, have your own beliefs. Your beliefs are based in your own beliefs. So, I just gave you facts. Well, let's talk about, uh, you know, the, uh, the real story that everybody, I, I, I don't know why, but everybody thinks you're going to be able to comment about the, the news that has surrounded WWE in recent weeks. And, uh, I want to give you a moment here to say whatever you want to say, and I'll hang up and listen. Well, first of all, as far as lawsuits and things of that nature, I'm not at liberty to discuss any legal matters with the company whatsoever. So to that, there's nothing that I can say and or do. Um, So there can't be a response from a legal standpoint. And you can ask till you're blue in the face, and that's going to be your answer. Uh, I'm not involved. I'm not being sued. I'm not accused of anything. And nor, you know, it's it's a legal matter. And as I said to you, you know, sometimes it is as simple as um, for those who believe, no explanation is needed. For those that don't, no explanation will do. And that's kind of where we are. And we'll let the rest of it sit in the hands of the fine legal system that we have here in the United States of America. You know, I, uh, I just want to remind everybody that, uh, Bruce is still actively employed by the WWE and they were named in the lawsuit. So it's uh, pretty logical that he's not going to be able to give a response here, uh, back before Bruce was back and he and I were doing something else to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard on, um, the WWE network at the time we did a show and we covered a topic that included 
uh, a reference to an incident that happened that had pending litigation against WWE. Now, neither Bruce nor I knew that, but of course that couldn't make air because it was an active lawsuit against WWE. So therefore you can't mm-hmm. actually talk about that on WWE programming. I realize this is not technically WWE programming, but Bruce works there. And so without Bruce even being told, don't talk about this on the podcast. We're just thankful that Bruce can still do the podcast while he's there. Uh, so we're not certainly not going to. Well, no one told me not to do anything on, no. on the podcast other than the simple fact that I work for a company that is involved in a lawsuit right now. Can't comment. That's logic. Right? I mean, you don't That's, have to be told logic. Folks, if you're, if you work at a large company and uh, your large company is being sued, then there's very little that you can say about it. And if you do, that's a good way for you to lose your job. And, uh, we're not in the business of that. We've lost the tricep. We lost the labrum. Let's hang <laughs> on to the gig. Uh, we, uh, listen, I, I want to give you some props. WWE has a lot of buzz, uh, to say the least right now. And a lot of people are really excited about the road to WrestleMania. And, uh, I can't wait for, uh, it to get closer and closer. I think. As you and I are talking now, there's like 15 different television shows between now and then. And of course the uh, premium live event and elimination chamber. I don't know what you got cooking, but right now it feels like there's a lot of buzz, Bruce. Is this as exciting on the inside as it is as a fan on the outside? I mean, I know you're not up to full speed because you're sort of limping around a little bit, but this has to be exciting for you right now, right? Just because I'm limping along doesn't mean that, uh, my text messages and emails aren't going off every 30 seconds. Right. There is a lot going on. It's exciting times. And it's, it's a pretty cool time to be in the business for the right reasons. And to look at WrestleMania 40, 40 years of WrestleMania. And here's a little known story. When they had WrestleMania 1, we had Cleet Dumpster, which, by the way, uh, let me get this on. This shit right here. Cherry Freeze Prime. Yeah. Lord have mercy. It's your favorite? It's become my new regular flavor of the... It's no longer orange. It's Cherry Freeze now, not orange. No, Cherry Freeze is my favorite hydration drink. I got you. Orange Mango is my favorite. Oh, my God. You're double-fisting the shit. Look at you. Yeah. Are you going to get a Prime tattoo? I get some energy and then I hydrate. You need a Prime tattoo. That's what you need. See what Logan would pay you for a prime tattoo. Not enough money. Um, so I was working in Houston at the uh, Sam, not uh, Sam Houston Coliseum, in 1990 Carolina Corner Pearson, downtown Houston. Open each day of the week, Monday through Friday, from 9 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. Tickets and information were available during that time. And WrestleMania, the big buildup, man, was taking place in Cleet Dumpster was the morning DJ for KKBQ in Houston, Texas. Wait, the homeboy's uh, name was Cleet? His name was Cleet Dumpster, yeah. Wow, that's a hell of a name. It sounds like uh, sounds like a gimmick from like 1993 WWE. Well, it was a gimmick. His real name was Dave Hume, but he went by Cleet Dumpster. Got it. Um, so Cleet calls me. He says, hey, you want to go to WrestleMania? And I'm like, yeah, but at the time, I think I'm 21 years old or whatever, 20, 21 years old. I'm a kid. 
never been to New York City. Right. And he says, man, all you got to do is get a, get a flight to LaGuardia, tell you what flight I'm on. We'll fly up there, and then they got transportation for us. We'll go, the after party and all this stuff. And in those times, you're talking 1985, in those times, it was something like if you saw someone from another promotion, you you know, you turned and went the other way. Oh, wow. You engage. You know, they weren't your friends. They weren't people. You had no friends unless they worked with you. Um, highly competitive. And, and it was just a different, it was a different way of looking at the business. So I was, I was half ass scared, man. I, was like, god, I don't want to go. and Somebody will see me. Oh my God. Oh, Cause wow. I was also on Watts's TV. Oh, okay. This is making sense now. So, you know, I'm on Watson's TV doing all this stuff. And like, man, I went up right till the Thursday and he was leaving on Friday. I said, yeah, now I'm going to stay home and not do it. But I could have been there. You wanted to go. I did want to go bad. Oh, I just wanted to go to New York. Now, 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 uh, your interest in going to New York is near zero. Fair to say near zero. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little below zero. It's, it's, it's a Saskatchewan weather, man. Yeah. It's, it's below zero. I want to talk about uh, WrestleMania specifically WrestleMania three before we get into our topic today. But before we do, you mentioned Houston and since you've been down for the count, your man, your great close personal friend of decades has, uh, gone viral again. This time, not for an over-the-top bet, but for a viral commercial. And Mattress Mac is one of the OGs of viral commercials and a super genius marketer in the Houston area. But now he's taken the internet by storm since you've been uh, laid up. And I've got Silva to run that beautiful bean footage here. Shout out to Mattress Mac. You're not going to believe this commercial. Let's take a look. that did you get chopped and screwed by a competitor who said they were going to hook it up then went ghost when it was time for your delivery here at gallery furniture you know we stay knocking on doors like Pepsi and little kiki and you know when you cop from gallery furniture in four hours or less our delivery team is going to show up and show out because we don't do it for the clout this is what gallery furniture and we are all about we can't leave you riding dirty on that hand-me-down sofa. We need you to shine so clean with that new news from Gallery Furniture. Text me, Mattress Mac, your triple OG partner from the north side at 281-844-1963. I'm going to plug you in with $600 off your purchase of 2000 or more because a real hustler like you got to be living lavish. And if your credit is all f- up, you know I run it like Chameleonaire and Slim Thugger. Pull up to any gallery furniture location. We're going to fight to get you financing like when I fought Muhammad Ali many years ago, the greatest of all time. Let's get it. How about Mattress Mac, man? Leaning into hip-hop culture for a commercial, uh, pouring a little Sprite up in a double styrofoam cup with some Jolly Ranchers. He's uh, 
He's leaned out, man. Who would have thought mattress Mac? That's pretty fucking fun right there, dude. Yeah. You didn't see the other ingredient. Um, there was maybe one other ingredient that we didn't pour in there. Yeah. That was missing a little bit. Yeah. uh, Man. Mac has always been that way. Mac used to come in and uh, wear a mattress, literally wear a mattress to do his commercials in the arms and legs would come through and everything. And, that's how he became Mattress Mac. He knows how he, to market, man. Dude, he is the absolute best. And and I, I I did tell you the story about him and the mattress. Have I told that on the on the show yet? I don't know that you have. So when you have this shoulder surgery stuff crap, you have to sleep about yay, upright. Right. Okay. Can't lay down. And the I have very comfortable recliners. Let me tell you something. After about the fourth day, that very comfortable recliner sucks. Time for a mattress now. Sucks beyond belief. And uh, the best mattress I ever had was the last one I bought from Mattress Mac. It was called a Macapedia. The Tempurpedic people made Mac his own mattress. Oh my God. Macopedia. That's badass. So, you know, it, it, it's not like it had seen better days. It was it's like, it was brand new. It's, it's just perfect. It was great. Firm. It was yeah, perfect mattress. So call Mac and I said, Hey, here's what I got. Here's what I need. I need one of those, you know, adjustable beds, but I don't want it where both sides go up at the same time because my wife is going to want to sleep flat and I'm going to sleep however I'm going to sleep. And can you tell me something comparable to that? And he said, Firmer soft. Well, I said, we're both, we both like pretty firm mattresses. All right. You're still up there in Connecticut, right? Yep. I have a, I have somebody call you. Okay. Well, let me give them a credit card or give to you or whatever. He goes, Oh, to help with that. This, you need a mattress. You got to sleep. And sent us this uh, incredible, I think it's Serta. Black mattress um, that does, oh my God, it's, it's tremendous. It's so, I don't know how we're lived without that one now. Shout out to Mattress Mac. Uh, I know you know the spiel. Uh, hit, hit Save it. you money. And it is true, by the way. It is true, by the way. You buy your furniture that day, you, you, they could be closing 10 o'clock, and you buy your furniture at 9 55. Your furniture will be in your house no later than 2 a.m. And that is late because at night, especially because everybody's coming back in, they load them up and they try and get everything. They get everything in by midnight. They try to. Wow. But buy it that day, you get it that day. It's an amazing business that Mattress Mac has built for himself. And, uh, it's pretty cool that he's taking care of you. Look there. There he is. Mattress Mac back in the day, wearing a mattress. Goodness gracious. What a, what an icon of marketing and 
entrepreneurship. I mean, the true American dream. We, uh, we've had a lot of fun talking about everything, but our topic, any, any other news and notes we need to hit before we get into our topic today, Bruce, I'm ready to talk about the Dudley boys. Then I'm trying to do anything but talk about the W. Oh, come on, Bruce. That's what? rude. That's a rude comment. Why is that? Well, listen, let's talk about something that I know you'll like before we talk about the Dudley boys. Let's talk about our friends at Embark. I know you really believe in this. All right, so Bruce, let's run a timeout right now to talk about something that you and I are all pumped up about. We're talking about our friends at Embark. Now, let me give you a little pro tip, boys and girls. If you haven't already picked out exactly what you're getting your special lady for Valentine's Day, let me give you a little pro tip. This is something she's going to love. It's an Embark dog DNA test. Yes, it's real. I want you to click the link in the description for this show, and you can actually see exactly what it looks like for my man Bruce's dog, Bean. It shows you exactly where Bean was born, where Bean is now, and everything about Bean's background. It turns out Bean is 64.2% American Pit Bull Terrier and 22.1% Australian Cattle Dog and 13.7% American Bulldog. Not only that, we know that this dog has 1.3% wolfiness. Their predicted adult weight is 49 pounds. You can even see Bean's family tree and so much more. Your wife, your husband, your loved one, if you are dog people like Bruce and I are, they are going to eat this up. I did this for my wife last year and she absolutely loved it. Now we still have to, uh, have some unsettled issues, some heat here between Bruce and I as to who is the unofficial dog or the official dog of something to wrestle, but this is not debated. The dog in your house is a member of the family. And if you're one of those who adopt and don't shop like Bruce and everybody else I know, well, man, this is a home run to see their family tree, to understand what they're predisposed to. I mean. You get to see and learn the full breakdown of your dog's breed mix and the extensive genetic health risks. You can track their ancestry, even see their family tree back to their great grandparents. But knowing more about your dog means taking better care of them and maybe a better relationship with them. But also too, let me just be honest. It's fun. My wife loved it. She was excited to see it. She couldn't wait to show it off. We're actually giving this to my mom as well for her dog. My mom loves her dog and I think you'll do it too. We want to thank EmbarkVet.com for supporting our show, and we want to let you know about Embark's special sale. Right now, just in time for Valentine's Day, you can get free shipping and save $60 when you go to EmbarkVet.com and you use the promo code WRESTLE. That's EmbarkVet.com, and be sure to use the promo code WRESTLE. By the way, Embark is E-M-B-A-R-K-V-E-T.com. Use our promo code wrestle. You'll save 60 bucks and you'll get free shipping. Bruce learning more about Bean was a big deal, not just to you, but to your wife and the kids. This was fun for the whole family, right? Absolutely. You get to know your puppy dog, know who she is, what she is and why she is. This Valentine's day, show your pups some love, give them the dog DNA test that's trusted by millions. And right now embark has a limited time offer on their breed and health test for our listeners. Go to embarkvet.com to get free shipping and save 60 bucks with promo code wrestle. Visit embarkvet.com and use the promo code wrestle to save $60 today. And I want to say the deal ends February 15th. So hurry. 
save yourself 60 bucks and get free shipping at embarkvet.com with the promo code wrestle. I would also uh, give you some advice. Okay. After you tell your puppy what, what she is and everything. And she looks up at you with those inquisitive eyes and she says, daddy, can you tell me a little bit about my mother? Oh, wow. And I had to look down a little bit. Oh, no, no. Don't do this. Don't do this. No, 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 no. Your mother's whore. I'm sure the people at EmbarkVet.com are going to be thrilled with that. Be sure to use Well, no, because she she had a lot of love. Well, she was. I mean, listen, we saw the DNA. She's kind of a mutt. She is. Not as much. Dodger was a super mutt. Super Literally, that's what they put on the thing. Super mutt? Dodger. He had, he had so many different breeds in him. They classified him as a super butt. It's tremendous. I expect nothing else. Want to know something about his mama? <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? Uh, okay, Bruce. Oh that, hey, for real, uh, we love EmbarkVet.com. We think you will, too. My wife flipped over this. My mom absolutely loved it. If you've got somebody in your life who is really, really close to their dog, this is a great product. And it's going to get them talking. It's going to make them happy. Like this is something they didn't know was possible. So it is an excellent gift. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. Use our promo code Russell, save yourself 60 bucks and get some free shipping. Uh, so, so Bruce, let's talk about a couple other months. Uh, the band of misfits, the happy misfits, the land of the misfit toys is what they used to call ECW back in the day. And perhaps there was no better example of that than the Dudley boys. And Man, we, uh, we put these guys up on a poll. We said we wanted to talk a little tag team wrestling and, uh, the Dudley's got the win over the nasty boys. Uh, they came in second powers of pain came in uh, third and the head shrinkers came in fourth. Uh, so people really wanted to hear about the dusty, uh, about the Dudley boys. And I'm excited about that because I was such a fan of theirs in ECW to the point where I would ask my friends in recent years. Hey, uh, who's the greatest tag team of all time? And why is it the Dudley boys? I mean, those guys accomplished so much. I mean, and it really is, uh, maybe a rather unlikely story. They're the team from Dudleyville. Of course, they get their start in the WWE right after, uh, ECW is making their biggest move yet. They're going to be moving to television. ECW is, and they're going to go to TNN. And I guess the story, as I've always heard it is. The Dudleys just requested a $1 raise from Paul Heyman to stay in ECW and Paul turned them down. That's the legend. Do you believe that story that, you know, they wanted to stay and, and maybe Paul just realized it's probably better if you guys move along. I mean, maybe he saw the end was near or he knew the opportunity they had in the WWE. How do you remember hearing the story of should they stay or should they go with ECW? No, I never heard a story of should they stay or should they go. They were calling us looking to come in. Oh, okay. So did you see but, you know, did you see their stuff in ECW? What did you think of their presentation? Yeah, you know, um I, I found the the Dudleys to be highly entertaining. And, yeah. and I thought that so you take um what's the big kid's name? Nine one one. I like nine one one. But then I discovered he didn't know how to do anything but a choke slap. Right. Um, then you you have the Dudley boys come in. You got Big Dick Dudley and 
uh, Spike Dudley and Sign Guy just, Dudley and Dances with Dudley and Studley yeah. Dudley and yeah. But the most entertaining to me was stuttering Bubba Dudley. Yes. When he would cut a promo, and somebody knock him in the back. But I'm going to take you, and I'm going to take you behind the fence. I'm going to do this. You know, it was entertaining. The audience ate it up. Yes. And I thought that Bubba did that so well, and and Devon and whoever the way that they played off of him because. They were trying to help him get those words out, man. When somebody says, oh, well, a, stutter, a, stutter, a stuttering gimmick would never work. Yeah. Yeah, it would work, and it did work, and Bubba pulled it off. To me, that was the endearing Dudley. Right. To me, that, that made me want to help him, root for him all that much more because I knew, that, you know, okay, man, he's, he's fighting to get this out here. He's emotional. I'm gonna get boom. Get a drink of water right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it was it was entertainment. I think somewhere along the way that the entertainment turned to know we have to be serious. We've got to be kick-ass serious guy. Yes. The, what I don't think that they really got was you can be kick-ass serious guys once the bell rings, but be entertaining all the way up until the bell rings. So when they stopped and they dropped the stuttering gimmick, I thought they took a big piece personality away from Bubba Dudley. Right. Um, but when you look at the whole crew, and you look at the whole uh, Dudley family, if you will. Realistically, come on, man. Who are you looking at? You're looking at Bubba and Devo. Yes, absolutely. They were the ones didn't know anything about them. Um, I thought I thought that uh, Bubba was African American until I met him. Really. Yeah, really, I did. You know, it's just he just he looked like a, a light skinned African American, and the way that he talked. And then when I met him, and it's like, hey, Mark Lamont, going on. Hey, how are you? Um, but he had freckles, and he just he just had an innocence about him to show mean look on him there. But um, I liked him as bad guys. I know you were saying, you know, maybe that I like him as bad guys too. Yeah. I just would like to keep the stuttering gimmick. Right. Okay. I, I think, I, I think I understand what you're saying there. I, you can be um, a bad guy and stutter. No, you can for sure. The bell rings. You're an asshole is the first time. I mean, were you watching tapes of them back in the day? Or is the first time you see them when they worked the Manhattan center in 97 on raw? Oh my God. No, I'd seen them. Yeah. I, I, You'd watch the I show watched before. ECW tapes. And I watched stuff that Paul would say, Hey, take a look at these guys or somebody else say, take a look at this. And I'd watch it what I could get through and the fact that I could get through one of their matches was, you know, that in and of itself spoke volumes. What did you think when they went towards the end of ECW, when, when Bubba would go on these big tirades and sort of taunt the crowd and dare them to fight? I mean, that was old school trying to get heat and rile up the crowd. Were you a fan of that or, or not so much by the late nineties? 
Never a fan of that because as soon as you do that, and and again, you go back into legalities. As soon as you do that, you're opening up the floodgates. You have no defense. Your defense of, oh, he came in my reign and attacked me. Wait a minute. Did you just invite him in? Right. Yeah, you have no leg to stand on. And you and guess what? You lose. Every time you lose. So I didn't think that that was uh, the best thing to be doing in uh, in any promotion whatsoever, anywhere, for any reason, ever. Just not a good idea. Because as soon as you do that, man, I've sat in I've sat in so many of those, you know, hearings where, okay, does this case have enough merit to go to court? And they look at a tape, and the guy's sitting there holding the rope open for a guy going, come on in, come on in. And the guy came and gets his teeth kicked in. And they say, oh, well, you're a professional wrestler, man. Of course, what do you expect? He wins all of his damages, plus punitive damages, plus damages for you being an asshole and a dumbass for inviting him in the ring. Liability. It's a a no-win. So I, I didn't... To me, it was old school cheap heat. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, Bubba was also uh, a, a big part of the behind the scenes of ECW. As I understand, he would help book buildings and things like that. Does any of that come up like his sort of office experience or were you guys just all into the character and hey, we're all set there. We're just going to focus on wrestling. Does it even come up? I sure does, because you want someone that has an understanding of the business itself, who understands that, you know, um, maybe this happened, maybe it didn't, but it understands if Bubba rents a building and some other guy goes out there and does something stupid like that, that it affects him. And guess what? He doesn't run the building anymore because they don't want the product. Right. So having that understanding and having that knowledge of what it takes to put on a live event to me is invaluable. And uh, I, I love the fact that he liked to do all those other things and worked hard at it. You know, one thing you can't, you can never ever um, take away from Bubba is his work ethic, is how hard he works. Because he busts his ass, man, and he he's always there, and he'll do whatever it takes to get the job done. I've heard before that uh, Vince Russo was a big advocate of bringing in the Dudleys. Do you remember that being the case? Russo, I think if Russo could have booked ECW, he would have been happy. Just bring the whole crew over. No, him go over there. Oh, I see. That would have been a better fit. The edginess and things like that. Sure. So uh, games- I, would, I would have just loved to have seen uh, Paul Heyman and Vince Russo coexist. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Gabe Sapolsky uh, at the time was uh, Paul Heyman's assistant. And uh, it, it, he said in recent years that he thought the Dudleys leaving ECW was a much bigger blow to ECW than even Taz's departure. What do you think of that? What, what, what the, was the, oh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Okay. Yes. 
without a doubt. I think that the Dudleys were in many ways the glue that kind of helped that place stay together and stay coherent. And Bubba and, and Devon were, man, they could do it all and did it all. So, yes, I, I, well, I couldn't agree with that statement more than anything. The Dudleys make their WWF debut in a dark match on August 30th, 1999, just a few days after, uh, their last show at the, uh, madhouse of extreme in Queens, where they would drop the ECW titles to, uh, uh, Tommy dreamer and the returning Raven. And in that dark match, they wrestled knuckle knuckles, Nelson and Tim McNeeny. Their TV debut is on SmackDown a few days later. They're going to interfere, interfere in a tag team gauntlet match. Uh, listen, it's one thing when you see a, a tag team or an act or a presentation, a character, if you will, in another arena, another environment, but sometimes it doesn't translate under the bright lights of WWE. What was your first impression seeing them in a WWE ring? Uh, you know, we were in New York, so think that the audience that that audience was a smart audience they knew who the hell they were yes that was good because they had a reaction they came out they were exciting and you know what i think even if the dudleys came out to dead silence i think they could have had them by the end of the end of their time out there they would have had the audience it's just what they did Bubba is uh, going to return to the, uh, the stuttering buffoon gimmick instead of the hard ass heel that we saw in ECW. I assume based on what we just heard, you were the big advocate for that. I was a big advocate for that. Yes. I don't think that he ever should have gotten away from the stuttering gimmick. And it wasn't he as a buffoon. I don't know why you take a stutter as a buffoon. He just stutters. Sometimes it's hard to get the words out. He was a he was a badass that happened to stutter. You got to get hot about it. Well, not half hot. Uh, what uh, you what uh, did um, you know? We know that once upon a time Vince was a body guy. I mean, he was the land of the giants. It was all about the physique. And here's two wrestlers who have had a lot of success somewhere else, and they wrestled in t-shirts there, and they're going to wrestle in t-shirts here, tie-dye t-shirts, no less. What did Vince think of that presentation? Do you think? Well, that's their gimmick. That's what they wore. No Billy Jim wore overalls. You know, same difference. Different looks for different folks. Mick Foley wore wore a full body suit. I'm not arguing any of that. I I just think it's interesting that sometimes when when a talent comes over, we change some things. Do you want to see them without their shirts on? No, I, I, okay. I, I'm not saying that I, I'm not being ugly. I'm not being rude. I'm just thinking it feels like he would have said, we got to get them out of t-shirts. They need proper ring gear or some shit like no, that. Not who they were. Right. And he was cool with letting them keep the name and the whole deal. Obviously. Yeah. What, what, why do you think, uh, certain talent that was the case and others, maybe not so much. I think certain talents led themselves to a certain look and other talents didn't. And I think sometimes if, you know, you want something new, brand new, and you have an idea that makes sense and then go with the new idea and try something else. I think the Dudleys, it fit. They're going to, they were, 
they're going to keep a lot of the ECW styling, the tie dye, the t-shirts, the glasses, the stutter is back. Devon used to say thou shalt not steal, kill, or fuck with the Dudley boys in the WWF. It's similar steal, kill, or mess with the Dudley boys. So we're, we're staying true to this presentation, which isn't always the case. And very quickly they're thrown into the mix. They're going to be attacking the acolytes and edge and Christian man, 1999, you guys had some great tag teams after it felt like a long period of time here where tag teams were not really a priority in the WWE. Uh, what do you think caused a shift here in 1999? Was it just availability of talent? Like the Hardys were a tag team. The, the Dudleys were a tag team. We could put edge and Christian together. I mean, you guys are just loaded up. Well, I, again, I think it just comes down to an abundance of great tag teams at the time. And when you have that, then you can utilize it and it all worked out. The Dudley's first match on Monday night Raw is against the Hardys and it features Stevie Richards dressed up as a Dudley in the tie dye. And he's got Farouk who's doing commentary, almost killing him. And the Dudley's get the win with the 3d. What did you think of the finish? what did you think of the, uh, the 3d, the Dudley death drop? Hey guys, are you looking for the perfect father's day gift idea? I was, and I found it at paint your life with paint your life. You'll get a hand painted portrait created to fit almost any budget. And it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You see paint your life, transform your photos into a one of a kind hand painted portrait done by professional artists. You can upload photos of anything you can imagine. You choose the artists and the art medium. They've even got great frames. It all takes less than five minutes to get started and you can get your portrait in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word wrestle to 87204. That's wrestle to 87204. Text wrestle to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good. I mean, it was a good double team finish. I will, you know, I'll, I'll say this too. It, it's, you know, and I'm mixed on double team finishes, even in a tag team match. We do it all the time, always have, probably will for a long time. I think a finish is a finish, and if you do it right in front of the referee, you bury the referee, and it shouldn't count. You know what I mean? But it's just the way that the business is and the way the business always has been. But, uh, no, 3D, I think, was a great finish. Still used to this day. No doubt. Uh, Now, in this match, the Acolytes are going to make reference to the public enemy, another ECW tag team, or earlier that year. Pretty much got the shit kicked out of them by the acolytes. Do you think the Dudleys had to, uh, prove themselves to the locker room? Do you think perhaps 
you know, because we do see the Dudleys and the Acolytes program together and it felt like they absolutely beat the shit out of each other. Was that sort of a rite of passage that was maybe, I don't know, a little residual hangover from what happened with public enemy before, whether that was fair or unfair. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think that the Dudleys came in with a chip on the shoulder, the way that the public enemy did. And the Dudleys came in and the Dudleys came in wanting to work with people and had good attitude and people liked them. And they didn't come in telling you, oh, hey, we're number one. You know, we're number one. Everybody was after us, by God. You know, blah, 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 blah. And have everybody else, you know, trying to sing their praises to tell you how great they were. Dudleys came in. Dudleys came in fighting for a job. Dudleys came in looking for a place on the car not to be denied. And they did that by their work in the ring. And if they got into the ring with somebody like the Acolytes who were snug and who liked to lay it in, Dudleys could be snug and they could lay it in too. They could give it and they could take it. And that's the difference. And they, I don't, I can't think of a time where the Dudleys, you know, before a match, oh, we're not going to do that or any or anything like that. I've, I've heard them after the fact go in, God, man, I wish you would have done this or, hey, you know, kind of snug, stiff me here or things like that. But the exception of one time, and I don't even remember what it was, they, they were always professional. But even in that one time, they, they ended up being professional, looking at each other going, hey, man, if we're going to have to fight, we're going to have to fight. Right. But never looking for it. Never looking for it. I think that they were guys that in many ways were, were an anomaly because they, they, were, they were easy to deal with. What do you think JBL and Farouk thought of working with them? Loved them. Absolutely loved them. Because they weren't afraid. Right. They didn't, they didn't go in and go, oh, please, oh, my God, I, I hear your reputation. You might, you might hurt me. You know, acolytes didn't hurt anybody either. And so you got, you know, four guys in there that want to go, and they did. So I think there was just a lot of respect in the ring anytime you had the acolytes and Dudleys in the ring at the same time. Well, as with a lot of other new signees, we're going to see uh, how they handle the ups and the downs. The Dudleys have their first pay-per-view match in the WWE at Unforgiven against the Acolytes. They go seven minutes and 28 seconds. Meltzer gave it a half a star and uh, the Acolytes get the win. They beat the Dudleys in their first pay-per-view match. And it's sort of fun because we see Stevie Richards, who we mentioned on TV, was out here wearing a, uh, a Dudley Boys t-shirt. Well, now he's going to come out dressed up like an Acolyte. And instead of having those different insignias on his chest it says upn which is pretty funny and of course they absolutely kick the shit out of him and then shake his hand afterwards to thank him for his help really fun stuff big ecw influence here with or stevie and the dudley's ecw influence I, i'm wondering did you guys ever consider bringing in any of the other dudley's at this time i mean we know spike eventually comes over was spike considered in this era or sign guy or big dick or joel gertner no. or anybody else no, not at all. And Spike was only brought in, you know, originally as kind of a one-off. And then he was gone. But then, you know, same thing. You got to know Spike. And it's an um, extremely bright individual. But, man, willing to do any and everything there was to do. 
shortly after this, Vince Russo is going to be out of WWE. The uh, Hardys, Edge, and Christian are going to have a great match at uh, No Mercy. The New Age Outlaws are clearly the top team. And all of a sudden, they find themselves at Survivor Series now teaming with the Acolytes. They're going to lose to the Headbangers, Godfather, and D'Lo Brown. Uh, it feels like uh, they may have been lost in the shuffle a little bit when Russo left. But as 99 comes to an end, all of a sudden, they get involved with May Young. May is hitting Bubba Ray in the head with a flask and Moo and Ma uh, Moo. Moo and Mela. Moo and Mela are teaming up to take on the Acolytes and the Dudleys in a three-way until, of course, Mark Henry comes and saves the women. Do you think the Dudleys needed May and Moola to establish more firmly that, that they were heels here in the WWE? I just think that it... it demonstrated what they would do. Right. It dem it's demonstrated to everybody that, hey, we're not your average bad guys. We're not your average good guys. We're just a little bit out there. We're different. And, you know, we had the spot where he's going to give May the uh, powerbomb, the sitting powerbomb through the table on the floor from the stage. And, you know, we were adamant. May, no, I know you say you can do it, but I need you to, I need you to feel this at least once. And we set up the pads and everything, set it all up there, but and she's standing on the stage. I don't need to do this. I'm taking bumps off the Empire State Building, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and she's pissed that I'm asking her to rehearse something like pissed. And so they set up all the, the, the crash pads and all that shit. And Bubba's getting ready to grab her to go. And I said, okay, are we ready now? Are we ready now? And she does her own bump off of the stage <laughs> onto the floor and gets up. Was that all right, honey? Uh, we didn't get any of that on camera and I'm not going to ask you to do it again. See, yeah, it was great because I knew that when, once Bubba had her, I knew that, that she was, it was fine. She was safe as could be, but I just had to have, I just wanted to see it. I needed to see it. I want to see where she's going to hit, see how she's going to hit. Wanted to know exactly what was going to happen. And uh, she just took her own bump. You just wanted to <laughs> see that old lady take the bump twice, tell the truth. And everybody's looking at me like going, I thought Bubba was doing it. Yeah. So, so did I. Yeah. But, yeah, she was that kind of woman, man. She, she was tough. Tough lady. They're going to transition, they being the Dudley boys, pronoun boy. Uh, into a more military camouflage. They're going to start moving away from the tie-dye. This does feel more WWE. I mean, I got to admit, when I think of the Dudleys in ECW, I think of tie-dye, but when I think of them in the WWE, I do think of the camouflage. What do you think of that transition? I thought it was fine. I don't know that it was... I think it was just them looking for a different look, an right. updated look. The tie-dye had been played out. 
the look for a new look for them, and I thought the uh, camo looked good on them. The tables are going to become a big part of their presentation here in the WWE. We know that tables were a big part of their life in uh, ECW, but uh, from this point forward, it's all about the tables, including Royal Rumble 2000. They've got a major match at Madison Square Garden. It's a tables match against the Hardys. If you haven't seen it in a while, boy, it is a classic. Go out of your way to see it. The Dudleys don't get the win, but uh, sometimes you don't have to go over to get over in New York City with the Hardys, with the tables. And this was the Dudleys at their best, no? Yeah, I think that the, look, the Dudleys, it's funny, I would say. Great catchers, man. They can work with smaller tag teams and catch them all day long. Well, the Dudleys could do all that too. They could catch, they could fly, they delivered their stuff, they were solid, they were believable, and they were fearless. So, you know, it, it's uh, not not too often do you get all those components in one tag team or in one individual. And I thought we had that in that tag team. The next night on Raw, Bubba is going to become entranced, putting women through tables. The first victim is Terry Runnels. At the time, she's managing the Hardy Boys. Uh, Russo's gone. Who's uh, who's thinking? Hey, man, this might work. Let's have Bubba start putting ladies through tables. I can't help it. The guys in a trance, man. Okay. Oh my gosh. Like me, I'm in pain right now. I can't help what happens. I'm in pain. Goodness gracious. Uh, from there, it's a EMT BB. Bruce, you got any BB stories? We haven't spent a lot of time talking about her. Yeah, not a whole lot to talk about. She was with uh, Hardcore Holly once upon a time. Is that right? Yeah, but I mean, it was so like bleeding that uh, didn't really matter. She was um, she was a worker that we brought in. I think for the EMT spot, take the bump, and that was supposed to be it. Worked out for her, I guess. Well, for a little while anyway. Yeah. Eventually the Dudleys, uh, continue to get over, become tag team champions. They beat the new age outlaws. Now I realize these days people just talk about the outlaws. Like, you know, they were an quote unquote attitude tag team. And I suppose that's right. But man, at a live show, if you were attending shows in the attitude era, the outlaws Routinely got one of the biggest, if not the biggest pop of the night. I mean, I guess unless Austin was there, maybe, but goodness gracious for them to come in and have an opportunity inside of the first several months to win the tag straps off the new age outlaws, man, that's uh, that's pretty hot cotton for the Dudleys here. Is it not? They're a great tag team. And I think that they had great chemistry with the outlaws. So it was something that was a natural for them. Like, yeah, this is simple, man. Let's go here. On March 6th on Monday night, raw, we would see Mark Henry take on Dave Diva. On my birthday. There you go. Uh, Dave wrote this may did the worst Bronco buster in history on Bubba. After the match, they laid Henry out with a three D and Bubba power bomb may through a table. He didn't protect her anywhere close to uh, how well he protected the two women who were probably 45 years younger. I know she's a very tough, ornery woman, and some of the stuff with her is funny and a lot isn't, 
But when she gets heard for real, because they think seeing a 77 year old take bumps as a hoot, it's not going to end up as a bunch of laughs. Well, you sort of told the backstory there. Maybe, uh, maybe jokes on Dave. Goodness gracious. I can't believe she took a bump on the floor like that. Like may was one of a kind. May was one of a kind and may would take Dave Meltzer and uh, his little sidekick and whipped her ass up one side and down the other without ever even breaking a sweat. And maybe punch them in the mouth so hard as neither one of them could ever speak again and break all their fingers so they could never type again. And that's without even breaking a sweat. That's how tough they were. Well, uh... And they would resent that comment tremendously. Uh, if you too would like to get a heart on for uh, Dave Meltzer, be sure to try blue chew a day one sponsor for us here on something to wrestle. Bruce and I are big fans of, uh, this product and uh, we know you will be too. If you haven't tried it already, what are you waiting for? Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers you the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis and Levitra, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Take these dudes anytime, day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversation, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluechew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. But there won't be anything discreet about your package. Bluetooth wants to help you have better sex. So discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is WRESTLE to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we want to thank Bluetooth for sponsoring today's podcast. So listen, just one week after we put May through the table in the ring, that's where we do the follow-up. You told us about the story about her taking the big bump, uh, and, and goodness gracious, we level it up here just one week after it happened in the ring, Bubba's going to take a bump in a match with, uh, it was a handicap match with Mark Henry. And when he gets up, he's going to kidnap May young in a wheelchair and Mula was supposed to be guarding her. And Bubba's going to run her up the entrance ramp and tease the idea of shoving her off the wheelchair to the floor. The entire crowd is cheering this, by the way, that's where we were as a society in wrestling back then. But before getting to that point, that's where we were with our society. Yes. Blame it on wrestling. That's where society was at that. They lay Mark Henry out with a 3d, but never bothered to pin him because that's not what's important. So Bubba's going to pick May Young up out of the wheelchair and power bomb her off the stage onto a table. Meltzer would say he protected her well, and it was set up with a table and lots of cardboard underneath. So it wasn't that dangerous, except they overshot and May Young's head missed the table and nearly hit the floor, which would have been a really tragic result. Bubba was concerned about it to be worried at the bottom until she squeezed his wrist to indicate she was okay. And the place erupted for the spot. I mean, this is one of the more legendary moments in this era of, of WWE, I mean, the visual of him power bombing respectfully, an elderly lady through a table off the ramp. This is unimaginable. Is it not? I mean, can you imagine that happening in like a 1995 WWE? Well, let me, let me, let me say this. If 
I live to be 80 plus years old. Jury's out on that. I would let Bubba Dudley, that Bubba Dudley, powerbomb me through anything because I know I'd be safe. Right. So, you know, yeah, great visual. It tells you a lot about our society. <laughs> no doubt. In the day. No doubt. Yes. Goodness gracious sakes of fire. Hey. That, that whole story doesn't really go anywhere, but it does establish that the Dudley boys, specifically Bubba, are ruthless. Yes. And it sets up a WrestleMania match that people are still talking about. They're going to be defending their tag straps against the Hardys and Edge and Christian. It's a ladder match. Now, this is not the TLC. But it is WrestleMania 2000 and three of your favorite tag teams in a ladder match. So it is an incredible match and edge and Christian get the win here. So the straps are off the ta- off the uh, tag champs, the Dudleys. Tag teams. All three of those guys were my favorites. It's just, it's, it's really, um, I'm sure to those guys who grew up in the Northeast to go into WrestleMania as the tag champs. I mean, they got to feel like all their dreams have come true professionally at that point. Right. You know, it's funny. Yes. You think about it. I remember as a kid, all I wanted to do was be a wrestler. All I wanted to do was be the world champion. I wanted to be in Madison square garden. I actually got to headline Madison square garden and you do it, and it is the absolute biggest rush in the entire world. And then it's over, and you're going, well, that was cool, but what now? Yeah, now what? So that's how I, you know, I, I've, I've kind of lived my life is, is like, okay, you do this, you do this well, and then you find out what's next. And, and sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's pretty damn cool. So, um, it works itself out. After and Saint Germain just said hello. Well, tell so, Dan. Hey Dan. Shout out to Dan. By the way, uh, Dan's got some incredible reels on Instagram and uh, Facebook and stuff like that right now. I saw something the other day that was hilarious. I sent it to all of my other scoundrel friends, and he's on a roll. Check out his comedy if you haven't already. If you Dan haven't seen, you get a chance to see him live. His live performances are tremendous as well. I mean, he still has. One of, if not the gnarliest roast joke ever at a wrestling related roast. Uh, listen, after uh, WrestleMania, the Dudleys are going to transition to, uh, working TNA. So Bubba can eventually, of course, power bomb Trish through a table. Um, their finish at backlash is covered in the observer. The finish saw Devo and pull Bubba out of the way of Tess elbow off the top finisher. They set up a 3d, but Stratus got on the apron and took off her jacket and started wiggling her, um, <clears throat> TNA and Bubba lost interest in the match. So he turned around and hit test or test hit him rather with a, uh, a high kick for the pin. But after the match, the Dudleys hit the three D on Albert and Devon is occupied with tests. So that allows Bubba to go after Trish and she kisses him. He shakes off the magic powers of the kiss. And instead power bombs are off the top rope through a table. She's going to do a stretcher job. 
And Meltzer would say she apparently has asked for Bubba to not protect her as obviously as he's done with other women. So she'd take more of the bump, but she was a little reluctant to do, but agreed to do it as I guess she wanted to get over as someone who can do her own stunts, two stars. So kudos to Trish here, but was it necessary? Do you think we needed that? I, for one, am in favor of hey, protect your opponent. If you can, goodness gracious. Yeah, sure. But also there, there's some times where somebody's going to protect you and you know, you can protect yourself better. Okay. I trust myself more than someone else. Of course, uh, they become baby faces from this. Of course they would. People are cheering the Dudleys for bombing women through tables. Uh, and they're programmed with the once again, heel version of DX. So Tori is Bubba's focus. Now road dog and X-Pac are attempting to uh, stop them, but a judgment day. It's Gerald Briscoe of all people helping DX and Tori to avoid losing the tables match. So Briscoe goes through the table. Now this right here feels like something you personally would have written up. Hey, Jerry, good news and bad news. <laughs> oh, hell. I love that. Yeah. That feels like something. I, think you I should loved. do that again. Yeah, well, yeah okay. let's do it in Waterloo. Okay. Y'all do it. And, uh, take note. At Madison Square Garden, one night before the King of the Ring and the big dumpster and tables match against DX, Tori suffers a shoulder separation. But of course, she still takes the power bomb at the pay per view after the Dudleys lose the match. Man, these are some tough ladies here powering through a separated shoulder to take a power bomb off the top rope. And I guess it proves that, you know, the Dudleys are losing these matches, but that's not even what people are talking about. They're talking about the post-match antics with the big power bomb through the table. Wrestling's a funny thing sometimes, is it not? Yeah, I mean, unless you're keeping scoring. Well, he won this match, and this one won this match. Well, that was technically a loss, so I don't understand how they're getting this match. So yeah, it's uh, it's about fun. Maybe it started to run its course because the Dudleys are being programmed again with Hardy's Edge and Christian just in time for SummerSlam, and we get our first official. Tables, ladders, and chairs match. TLC. Now, of course, we know this is going to become one of the more legendary match stipulations that we could possibly have. But at this time, nobody even knew what TLC would be. Do you, do you know who deserves the credit or rather the blame for coming up with that TLC? I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I'll blame Michael Hayes just for shits and giggles. I like that. If you haven't already go out of your way to see that one, if you're looking for some Dudley's matches to uh, relive man, SummerSlam, goodness gracious, SummerSlam 2000, the very first TLC go out of your way to see it. It's amazing. I don't know that we could even pretend to do it justice. These guys were out there making real wrestling history. Edge and Christian, once again, get the win. We let things uh, settle down for a few months. So the Dudley's and right to censor get married up. The Dudleys, of course, are uh, using tables a lot, and RTC is trying to ban the Dudleys from using tables. I mean, I realize that perhaps this isn't the uh, the the pairing that the Dudleys wanted, but it makes logical sense. Fans want tables. RTC wants to make sure the fans don't really get what they want, right? Exactly. They so, don't know what they want. They don't know what they want. Oh gosh. Will you pipe down Vince? Listen to you. 
somehow at no mercy, there's a table elimination challenge match. We got five tables. It's a, uh, a five table match gauntlet between the Dudleys too cool low down. That's right. Remember low down and Raven and Taz. Oh, and also bull Buchanan and Goodfather. This, I have to admit, there's a lot of talent in this. A lot of people I respect, but when I just see and hear this, man, that kind of feels like a TNA match. Why is that? I don't know. It just does a gauntlet. All these tag teams feels like a lot of moving parts. Maybe we're trying to get guys pay-per-view paydays. So trying to find the silver. That happens often. Uh, Dudley's do get the win and set their sights back on the tax traps at the rumble. The Dudley's are going to get the titles back from edge of Christian. They're going to drop them back on raw to the Hardys, And that sets up TLC two. but now we've got the three big pay-per-views in a row, two WrestleManias and one SummerSlam, And it's the same match. Every time I was not complaining as a fan. Cause I never got tired of watching it. Do you think as a guy who has mapped out shows and programs and things like that a year in advance, three major shows like that in a row, back-to-back WrestleManias and a SummerSlam along the way. Is that too much or is that not really the way to look at it? If the audience is reacting and the audience enjoys it, then no, it's not too much. Well, TLC- if they're bored with it, that they come out and nobody cares and that's too much of it. So uh, do more of what works, less of what doesn't a novel idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wrinkle this time for TLC two is that we've got a third, if you will, of sorts for each team. Little Spike Dudley is going to join the WWF after ECW closes. Rhino is also going to join and uh, Lita becomes a member of team extreme. What do you think adding a spike in to the presentation added to the Dudleys here? I gave him a little fellow to throw around. Gave somebody with a Dudley name that can take the punishment and get the hell beat out of them without affecting the Dudleys themselves. WrestleMania 17 is the TLC that you remember. It's the one that everyone talks about. It's pretty much unanimously praised as the best of all of them. Uh, the highlight reels will live on forever. These three teams will be, uh, etched in stone. I mean, you talk about WrestleMania moments. This is one of them. WrestleMania 17 TLC goodness gracious edging to Christian once again, win. why do you think, I mean, listen, with the benefit of hindsight, it would, maybe it would have made sense to have the Hardys win one and, and the Dudleys win one edging Christian. They clean sweep it, man. They are the TLC gurus. No, looks that way, man. They were able to get up and down that ladder faster than anybody else. Oh, there's the logic. There you go. I am Matt hobbling on up there. Jeff jumping over everybody to get up there. Only get punched in the nose and fall down. Ain't like Bubba's a gazelle. The Dudleys as a trio with spike added to it means they can work with the, uh, with X factor and, um, the Hollies. So the, the instant that spike and Molly start forming some sort of a relationship, the Dudleys turn heel on him. And that makes Spike maybe the perfect underdog baby face. The Dudleys eventually regain the tag straps, this time from Benoit and Jericho, the big time tag team. And they drop them on Raw to the APA on a night that 
lives forever in WWF lore. This is the night the Alliance is formed. The Dudleys are a big part of it, of course, being from ECW. Um, what do you think they thought about representing ECW in the WWE? How do I think who felt? I mean, the, the Dudleys? Dudleys. Yeah. I mean, were, were they, were they into that or did they feel like, man, I was really enjoying the WWF stuff or was it just another day at the office? It's another day at the office. At least they're, they're, they're furthering their name of the Dudleys. That's just another day in the office. Be doing what they do. We get their, uh, their first pay-per-view main event at invasion. Think about that. They've been in the WWF for a bit now, but this is going to be their first chance at the main events. Uh, there's the Dudleys in the ring with some of the biggest stars in all of professional wrestling, Steve Austin, the undertaker, Kane, DDP, Booker T. I mean, this is a big opportunity for them. They more than hold their own. Uh, and the Dudleys are sort of going to be used as enforcers of the Alliance, like the APA was for the WWF, I suppose, but in a weird twist, Stacy Keebler is called the Duchess of Dudleyville by Paul Heyman. And she's put as their manager. I don't guess I would have called that, but, uh, it did result in some interesting pictures when they were tag champs. Talk to me about putting Stacy Keebler with the Dudley boys. Well, we took one of those swabs and we swabbed it inside of her mouth and we sent it away. And when it came back, found out that she actually was a Duchess of Dudleyville. Wait, you didn't go so to we Embark. Had you go to embarkvet.com and use the promo code Russell, get $60 off and free shipping to find that out. Yeah. Wow. So how about that? Once we found out she was a duchess from Dudleyville, Dudleyville. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. We see, uh, them win the WCW tag team titles. Yeah. Let me just back up there. I want to make sure everybody's following what we're saying. The Dudleys are representing ECW in the WWF when they won the WCW tag team titles. You got all that. That means they are the first team to ever hold the WWF, WCW and ECW tag team titles. I don't know if you can really count that since they won the WCW tag titles in the WWF, but technically it happened and they unify the titles at survivor series. It's a cage match with the Hardys and they're going to walk out of the end of the Alliance as the undisputed tag team champions. But really nothing happens with them until uh, early 2002 on raw. And this is the infamous one where Hunter returns to Madison square garden. After that long injury, uh, spike and Taz are going to win the uh, tag titles from the Dudleys. And eventually the Dudleys are going to put Stacy through a table and that's the split. Maybe it's time. And it looks like Bubba is in line for a big baby face push on raw. Maybe there's a lack of depth there. So we're going to try Reverend Devon. You've defended this gimmick before. And, uh, I guess maybe outside of getting Batista on TV, I don't know what this really accomplished. What, what, what are we doing with Reverend Devon? He's Reverend spreading the word, the good word. Maybe you should listen to him and you would have understood a little bit better. Bro. Not Bobo. Bubba, but you bubble. Hey, Bubba. Any you good, me, Bubba? Any good, uh, Devon stories about the, uh, the Reverend gimmick? No, just the first time when they didn't really understand what the hell to do with all the money that they collected. 
They sent around a collection plate and people put money in it. I, I know what and you like. I know what you would have done. I know what I would have done. Yeah. I didn't get my I didn't get my hands on it, so uh Bubba right away wins the hardcore title and uh would team a little with Spike before facing his biggest test yet. This really happened. Bubba wrestles the world heavyweight champion Triple H live on Monday Night Raw. And uh, Dave Meltzer would write, Bubba did an interview running down Triple H. Bubba got a surprising amount of booze. Triple H, with Flair as his manager, beat Bubba in seven minutes and nine seconds, and they did some near falls that Bubba survived with Flair distracting. But the finish was clean as a sheet with the pedigree. You know, it did feel like you're trying to do something with him here. Do you think Bubba could have had a bigger run as a, a singles wrestler in WWE, or did fans just long for the tag team? I think it was too soon. I think fans still long for the tag team. I think that the audience wanted them as a unit. That's how they were comfortable with the Dudleys. Same time, I believe that uh, Bubba, and I think that uh, time would go on to prove me correct, but it was, you know, could have been much bigger as a single competitor. You do think Bubba could have had a bigger run as a singles? Yeah. And why do you think, um, why do you think that didn't happen at any point? Like later in the years, can you put your finger on? Well, it did happen in TNA and in different places. So I mean, like, WWE know. though, like we saw, I the, just don't, I don't know that there were the opponents for him. I don't know that the right story was there for him. Uh, could be a lot of reasons. Could be the way that the rotation of the earth was going at the, at the time. It just, there just wasn't that that right story for him at the time. But I'm not sure. Look, you know, there were times that Bubba and Devon both expressed, you know, they would like to be singles. And then when they made, made them singles, it was like, ah, yeah, well, they want us as a tag team. Then there were times, don't break us up, we're a tag team. So it's the unknown. And sometimes you just got to take a leap of faith and go for it. What, what about the, uh, the inevitable? I mean, it feels like a lot of times, you know, if we see the Steiner brothers split up or we see Sean and Marty split up, like eventually these tag team partners are going to face each other. Do you remember that being considered or discussed? What if we had Bubba wrestle Devon? Why didn't it happen? Cause they were brothers, brothers don't fight. Oh, Jesus. What? Well, I mean, look, you have defended that the other direction. I mean, don't be a smart ass here. Help me out. Like did, did Vince just not like that idea? Did he not see that he run different shows? Didn't, uh, I think that the attraction was one of a tag team. And I think that the, the breaking up of that tag team and putting one against the other, it just wasn't something that fit at the time. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. At Survivor Series 02, 
Thankfully, the Dudleys are reformed in a tables match at MSG. This time it's Jeff Hardy teaming up with Spike and uh, Bubba to take on Rico at three minute warning. But Devo comes out to put the band back together, so to speak. They hit the 3D on Rico. Uh, these guys are better together than apart. And what a better place to put them back together than MSG. The Dudleys win the titles back and forth a few times, working with the likes of William Regal and Lance Storm. Uh, then they run into La Resistance. And, uh, it's been said that for whatever reason, the Dudleys had some issues with La Resistance backstage. Did you ever hear about that? Oh, I just think it was simply, first of all, you got three green guys there. Right. In La Resistance that, you know, didn't know and had a lot of people in their ears. So you've got the Dudleys who had been around for a while and also were, you know, they have buddies in the locker room too that are going to feed them shit in their ears. And there's Miss Q in the match. And I think that uh, that's all it was. I think it was an accident and a Miss Q in the match that boiled over to calm down, man. How many times have you stiffed somebody? Chill out. So th- that's all it was. It, it all boils down to that. You know, you hear about, oh, this big blow up, blah, 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 blah. Nine times out of ten. You hear me stub my toe, you ought to hear the promos I cut. Right. I'll up the entire house. They'll think I'm dying, but I just stub my toe. Um, that happens every day. Well, what else happens every day is people are looking to get a good deal on some WWE merch. And uh, boy, can we hook you up right now? I can't wait to tell you that we've got a brand new affiliate partnership with shopwrestlingmerch.com. That's where you need to go to get all of your great WWE superstar gear. We've partnered with fanatics and the official WWE shop. So you can grab all your latest Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns and the Usos and uh, mommy and everything. It's all available right now at shopwrestlingmerch.com. You can get all of your favorite WWE superstar tees and hoodies and caps, even belts. Everything that's on the WWE shop is also on shopwrestlingmerch.com. And it's an excellent way to support the show. It cost you anything extra. If you're going to buy some wrestling swag anyway, why not buy it at shopwrestlingmerch.com? It helps our show here at Something to Wrestle and doesn't cost you anything and you get a great deal. So if you're watching along with us on YouTube, hit that QR code that's up on the screen right now or check out the description for today's episode. We'll have the link there or just type it right in your gimmick. Shopwrestlingmerch.com. Ta-da! Uh, so listen, the Dudleys are going to hold the uh, titles until December, and then they're going to drop the straps to Ric Flair and Batista. And this isn't the last run in between the Dudleys and evolution. There's the infamous match where Bubba Batista and Randy Orton all got hurt in the same freaking match that changed a lot of big plans. What can you tell us about what happened there and how you heard it all went down? No, I think it was, again, you look at. Mistakes, and you look at things that happen, they're accidents. But <laughs> when one domino falls and they all fall down, but when you throw a pebble into a pond and you watch the ripple effect, then you throw a second pebble into the pond, well, that ripple effect is still taking place and it creates new and different ripples off of that. Then you take a third pebble and you throw it over here on the other side of those ripples. And you've got ripples going everywhere. So 
yeah, it just you start all over. That's what you do. You can bitch about it. You can hang your head and go, oh, what was me? Not what I wanted to do. Holy shit. We had this planned and that planned and everything else. But you know what? None of that's going to happen now. And it's funny. Somebody asked me the other day, well, what did you do when this happened? I said, couldn't tell you. They were hurt. We had to come up with something else. Right. My my job wasn't to lament on the injury. My job was to figure out what the hell we were going to do next. And that was the most important thing. That's what was in front of us at the time. And I think that sometimes, you know, I come off very cold and heartless because, oh, you didn't even care they got hurt. Of course I do. Of course I do. I feel, I feel horrible when talent gets injured in a match. Because it fucks up our creative. When you care about the people. Oh yeah. But no, it it, it is. It's it, it's just a unfor- unfortunately, you know, it, it screws everything up. And it's no fault of anyone. You know, a guy can I've watched guys jump over the top rope entering a match and break their ankles. Not going to mention Don Diamond's name, but um, love you. You know, it, it's happened, and unfortunately, you, you can't sit there and go, "Oh, well, we were going to do this." I could not tell you one thing that we were going to do. Um, we because we had to change. We had to change at that moment to make it right. You just don't have time to lament. The Dudleys eventually run into the path of the dead man. It's the undertaker and Paul bear. Uh, the Dudleys are drafted to SmackDown and put together with their former boss, ECW zone, Paul Heyman. The Dudleys would kidnap Paul bear, which leads to the concrete crypt match at the great American bash. What a crazy spectacle. This was, I couldn't really believe what we were seeing when it happened. If you're watching along with us, on neither YouTube, can I. These visuals are unbelievable. Um, Meltzer would say the match consisted of Heyman pulling the lever whenever he was mad at Undertaker, who was supposed to lay down. Bear kept saying the Undertaker would never let him die and became so obnoxious about it that people half wanted him gone if they cared. This was just dying as if. It felt like people didn't want wrestling to turn into this and they just didn't have their fingers on the pulse and Devon used a low blow undertaker sits up Paul Heyman pulls out the urn to control undertaker, but instead he choke slams Bubba and pins Devon after a tombstone and Heyman vows to flip the switch for good. When lightning strikes him down, the undertaker pauses in front of the switch and then pulls it a major flop of a main event. One star. What the fuck was this, Bruce? Can you find anything positive to say about this? What's that? Can you find anything positive to say about this? Anything. Paul Barrett's suit. He had a nice suit on that night. Probably the end of that, right? Um...
We had a bull rope that match that night. Okay. Um. Is that one of the lowest lows in WWE history for you? Dude, that was one of those that you think while, you know, someone pitches that idea and you look at them and go, what? And someone jumps on it and go, would you shut the fuck up? No, this is stupid. No, none of it worked. And then it gets to the point of, um, okay, how are we going to do this? Whoa, whoa! Wait, no, I don't, I don't want to know how to do it. I don't want to do it. It's horrible. So, so what happens? We're, we're gonna. It was beyond, just beyond belief. All right. Beyond just everything. It was. Um, you know, it's supposed to be this fun thing of, oh, hey, you know, you fill up the concrete crypt and every everything about it was flawed. To Undertaker wins, but he pulls the lever. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Undertaker wins. Heyman's going to try and pull the lever, but lightning bolt hits him and he can't do it. Then the the guy that was in for the final scene of the of the concrete was bragging during the day. Oh yeah, no, I I can I can hold my breath a good you know probably fifteen twenty seconds with all that. So you should be able to get your shot and everything and the crypt falling. I mean, with the crypt filling up and all that stuff over my head and. I do that a good, you know, 15, 20 seconds. I, I can do, I can do longer. Four seconds. I was never, I, and the, 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 the shitty thing about it was, was, you know, we had, a, we had fail safe because good Lord, man, you know, okay, maybe that's all we could hold it four seconds and he was going to die. I don't know. But we had fail safes built in. If man, if I panics, can we just seconds. can we just time out for a minute? You just so casually said maybe he could only hold it four seconds before he dies. I don't know. <laughs> Think about the absurdity of what we're saying right here. I don't know. Maybe he died in five seconds. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but he's fucking up my creative if he dies in five seconds. I wanted my shot and he got damn force. You got you goddamn right I wanted my shot. Yes, I did want my shot. I love you. Okay? Yes. And <laughs> I mean the guy had breathing apparatus, they had all this shit, you know. We had it nine ways from Sunday. And he panicked at four seconds. I do this all the time. Pussy. <laughs> Yeah, you scared of dying? I could eat this whole fucking thing. Damn concrete. No problem. I said, okay, buddy, we'll let you eat it when we're done. But I need 
You can give me 10 seconds, man. That'd be great. I don't need the full 20. You're not talking about Paul Bear here, to be clear. I'm not talking about Paul Bear. No. Yeah. I'm talking about the guy that was the, that we put in there to, to do the stuff. I'm not about to. I'm not going to risk Paul Bear's life. No. But um, people don't know that. So I wanted to clarify. You're talking about a, a stunt yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we did a stunt service so that, you know, we, the people that were insured and, you know, could, could guarantee us. Oh, yeah, this guy can do this. I would care if Paul Bear died, but this fucking I care. I would guy. care if Paul Bear died. Um, sometimes. But, uh, I'm sitting there, and and, I, and, it, and it hits you, you know. First of all, that fuck four seconds, <clears throat> and I'm screaming on the headset. Just go anywhere else other than than anywhere near the crib. What do they do? They take an overhead shot. So um, it was rotten. Um, they went in, they rescue the guy, they bring him back and they bring him right by me. And he's got the towel on his face. And, uh, he says, how was that? Was that good? Was that okay? Was it good? Was that okay? I said, 20 fucking seconds, huh? You count by fives? What the fuck? And his people knew I was pissed already because you were name calling him. Oh, I was motherfucking the shit out. So they took him away. And of course, Pooh Bear comes walking up. That was horrible. I said, yes, Paul, I'm well aware. I know it's up. You're right. Well aware. Horrible. And, um, Hit me with that Paul Bear one more time. What? That was terrible. That was horrible. Old Dude. George, George wouldn't be proud of that. Oh I, God. I, uh, I need a clip of you saying the first time you said that was horrible. That should be your ringtone for text messages for me. That was horrible. Look what I just found in my thing. I don't even know what this is. Oh, I think that you goes, in, I think that goes in your shoulder, cuz. Maybe that's why it's all fucked up. Okay. Uh, the Dudleys would be reformed with Spike this time. Did I mention that it was a genuinely fucking shit? Even Taker, even <laughs> Taker, who we've done some rotten shit with. Yes. Even Taker hung his head and just walked off. And, and I said, well, that's done. And he just raised his hand and just kept right on walking. Because what can you say? Oh, I have lots to say. More importantly, yeah. what did Vince think of this? He wasn't visual there. And, oh, he wasn't even there he at this show. He wasn't there. So I'm, I'm, I'm off, and I'm, I'm with the stunt people, and I'm just, look, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I said, give me motherfucker that can breathe. The whole point. And uh, and finally just tapped out, back went home. I was done. I was tired. I was grumpy. No, we had TV the next day. That's right. Yeah, it's horrible. 
you know, and, and by that time it got to be funny. Because it was just so bad. It was just so rotten. It was bad. And that was the TV that the mandate came out that we all had to wear suits and ties. Oh, geez. So, so I'm in a suit, dress shoes, and I'm having to walk through this fucking concrete fucking mixture. Livid. Livid. So, yeah, that's, that's old concrete crypt. The Dudleys are going to be reformed with Spike this time as a leader and as a heel, quite the development. Uh, but they're taken off TV and sent to OVW while the creative team works on a plan to bring them back. And the only thing left to do at this point was ECW one night stand. They come back. They're in the main event to take on Tommy dreamer and the Sandman. Big opportunity, big moment for them in their career and certainly for ECW fans. But somehow, some way, the WWE announces just a few weeks later that they opted not to renew the contract and continue contract negotiations with the team. I saw an interview that they did after their release. They did a shoot interview, if you will. And they believed that if they were negotiating directly with Vince McMahon or JR. This wouldn't have been a problem, but for some reason, maybe they fell out of favor with Johnny Ace. Johnny Ace told them allegedly creative has nothing for you, but the Dudleys had already been told by creative. Hey, here's your next six months. You recall what the issue was surrounding the Dudleys getting their release here after a pretty good run. It feels like, I mean, they even laid out that. Vince told them we're going to use you in a more limited capacity and you won't be working 300 days a year anymore. So I'm going to have to pay you less money, but they were, they were cool with it. And then WWE pulled the offer. What changed? What happened? Do you recall? No, I don't. I'm involved in that side of it. The only thing I think of is I do remember, and I may have my timeframes messed up, but I do remember the Dudleys wanting to go to Japan. Right. Work fans, something they hadn't done that they wanted to do, go do tours over there. So I think there were things they wanted to do that they weren't able to do under the contract. And, you know, whoever knows how they all those messages are. They wind up going to TNA for the next nine years, the better part of the decade. And, and I know you're going to wind up working with both of them there. Uh, what'd you think of their run in TNA? Of course, they're not able to keep the Dudley name. WWE is going to claim ownership of that saying, I guess that they bought it when they bought ECW and, uh, Bubba Ray is going to become bully Ray and you get a second bite at the apple of bully in this singles push that maybe you started once upon a time with these guys back in like, Oh, two. What'd you think of their, their TNA run and specifically Billy's work or bully's work as a, as a single. Yeah, I thought they were fine. I really didn't follow them that much in TNA until I got there. So, you know, by the time I got there, they were pretty much on their singles run and thought that uh, Bubba as bully, you know, he didn't want to do that. 
he didn't want to be Bully Ray. And I thought, man, how simple is that to go from Bubba to Bully and be a bully? And one of one of the biggest things to me was was we had an opportunity with the anti-bully league, whatever that does the commercials. You know, don't be a bully. Yeah. Let him be a bully on TV. When it's time to turn him babyface, man, he's the spokesperson. You know, don't be a bully. Be you know, be a hero. Um, and we just started doing it, and it kind of kind of stuck. And I think that that to me, I think that uh, had he been Bully Ray in WWE, I think he would have been a, a top single in WWE too. Why did you like Why did you Bully. say he didn't want to do it? What's that? Why did you say he didn't want to do it? You mean he, he didn't, didn't like the name? name? He, didn't, oh. he didn't want to change his name to Bully Ray. I see. Yeah, he probably would have preferred to just keep his tradition yeah. his, his name yeah yeah i wanted to change the whole just the whole perception the whole the whole branding everything about him to to become a bully and be a be a prick and then when it's time to turn him babyface then he's fighting the bullies and he's he's the one that stands up for those that can't and it was a uh, uh, man i to me, I thought it made a lot of sense. I think he wanted to be a heel. I think he wanted to be Bubba. And I get it. That's what he's used to. I just, uh, I just like the name Bully. Uh, we know that eventually they take their rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame in 2018. Much deserved. I'm sure you agree. Where do you rank them in, in all time amongst tag teams in the WWE? I'd say top 10. Who else would be in that mix for you? Well, you got Dorian Terry Funk, Jack and Jerry Briscoe. I said WWE. Oh. Dorian Terry never team there? Um as far as WWE goes, you know. Whew, that's a tough one. I think demolition. Yep. Without a doubt. Um the Rockers. Yep. Bulldog. I mean, this is some rarefied air. So you, you rank them highly. What do you think their legacy will be in professional wrestling when it's all said and done? I think that they brought, you know, it's going to sound hokey as hell, especially. I just think that they, they they kind of brought people together that were different. Every one of them had their own unique. They were all unique. Um, but they were all brothers. They were brothers in arms. And the family doesn't have to be the same color or speak the same language or do all the same things. Your family, your family. And your family doesn't have to come from from blood. And to me, that's what the Dudleys will always be. I thought that the Dudley boys are, uh, they were, they were a great tag team, great guys. You know, it took that to do what they did. They knew each other very well. They were able to, you know, 
they were able to parlay that into you know where where they became. So more power to them. I just think they were a great team. Really do. No doubt about it. Um, I got to ask, what do you, what are your feelings on both guys today? I mean, uh, Devon still making appearances and doing his thing. And we know bully's doing stuff with busted open and he pops up every now and again in the ring, out of the ring. Uh, do you keep up with those guys in real life? And, and, uh, what's, what's your relationship with them? I think my relationship is good. I mean, I've always liked Devon and, um, you know, uh, tell a story about it in, in TNA when Devon didn't get a check for many, many weeks and uh, didn't have the money to to go and actually park at the hotel lot. Certainly didn't have uh, money for a hotel room. I said, well, that's bullshit. I'll, I'll get you at the uh, airport and you'll stay in my room. We get a room with two beds. You'll stay there. I'll take care of you. Um, and then they sent him their checks, and that was the one where they got the envelope. There's nothing with all in the it. checks that they said had been sent, postmarked for those days, but never sent. Wow, you know, um, and I always just that I just thought that was shitty. Um, but always liked Devon. Uh, always liked Bubba. Uh, Bubba and I argued to high heaven. But it comes from a place of passion for the business. We have different opinions on the business. We have a lot of the same opinions on the business. I think he has a great mind. And I think that he, he you know, really does. He's one of those guys, man, that just eats, sleeps, breathes, and lives this business. And those are few and far between. So wish him both luck. And I think they're both great guys. I've heard before I got to meet them and I think they're both great guys. I've had great interactions with both, but I've heard that, you know, bully has a much different reputation than, um, than Devon. Why do you think that is? What, what kind of, what, in what way? Well, I've just heard a lot of people say that, that bully's tough to deal with or, or whatever. That was not my experience with him at all. So I was like, we must be talking about different guys, but I have heard, you know, a lot of people say that. You know, much like assholes back in the day used to say that they loved your brother, but they didn't really care for you sort of thing. I heard people say the same thing about the Dudleys, but my experience couldn't have been better with both. I felt like that was sour grapes from somebody. What say you? Yeah, same, same, man. I, I find them both pretty straightforward and easy to deal with. Totally. I don't, I don't think, man, you know, there's nothing that uh, Bubba and I couldn't talk through. Yeah. And... There wasn't, he was never difficult. He, he wasn't an asshole. It's, if you can't, well, let me go this one, man. Okay. If you can't handle the truth and you can't handle somebody just telling you, no, this is what I want and this is how I want to do it, then first of all, you're in the wrong business. But second of all, man, that's just, it's just the way Bubba is. That's the way I am. So I would rather him tell me, no, fuck you, Bruce. I don't I want to do this. Okay, great. I don't take the fuck you personally. Right. I take it as business. All right, it's not what you want to do. How can we get to where we want to go? Help me out here. Nine times out of ten, he's going to help you out. He's not going to say, oh, that's your problem. No, he, he helps you out. Maybe he's just got the, the a little New York in him. He, he's got a lot of New York in him. Yeah. But that. That ain't a bad thing. 
that ain't a bad thing. And and it's not, again, for those, maybe some people, maybe didn't like you. I don't know. Maybe you, you rubbed him the wrong way. I don't know. Um, I had a great experience with him. I've got nothing but respect for him. Um, knocked on my door one day out of the blue and came in and we sat and bullshitted for about an hour or so. And it was absolutely glorious just to sit and talk to him about life. Yes. And talk to him about, you know, Hey, the business and everything. And, uh, it was, it was just great to see him. Yeah. So, um, Devon. Awesome. Bubba. I, I just think that comes from people that are insecure. There you go. If, if they, if they feel that, that Bubba, is an asshole and if they feel that Bubba's hard to deal with. I don't think he's hard to deal with. He speaks his mind. And if you can't take listening to someone speak their mind, tell you how they feel about something, either A, don't deal with them, or B, don't ask them the question. Go out of your way to see these guys. They're making appearances together again. Uh, I'm really excited about that. For a long time you could see them separately, but I guess uh, you know, they're uh, they're back on track and now that they're uh, neither one are working with one of the major companies, as I understand it, they can make appearances together again. Maybe once upon a time, they weren't allowed. I don't know the details, but I know that Dudley photo ops are going to be cool. Then now forever. Uh, I used to kid with, uh, Terry Funk and Dave Milliken and a bunch of other guys over the years. Uh, who's the best tag team of all time. And why is it the Dudley boys really appreciated their work and appreciate that they had pretty incredible runs when you think about it. In three major companies, ECW, WWE, and TNA. And, uh, man, that sort of gets glossed over, but they were there at the yeah. height of the attitude era when business was a booming and never hotter. The Dudleys were there when TNA had their most profitable and biggest years. The Dudleys were there when ECW was at their peak. The Dudleys were there not saying it's because of them, but they played their role and they did it better than most. So. Shout out to the Dudleys. Hope we did them uh, justice today. We got a bunch of questions. We'll get to a few here. Francis Reyes says, which one did you see as the breakout star of the Dudley boys? Not to diminish one or the other, but you thought bully had a, a bigger upside Absolutely. as a single. Yeah. yeah. I, thought, I thought bully would be the breakout star. Andrew Jordan says just where in the hell is Dudleyville? Is that just parts unknown? I may have took jabroni drive too far down the block because I ended up on a bad street and the further down I went, the better it got. Where is Dudleyville? Well, you know, do, do Andrew, if you have, um, if you know where, uh, oil trough, Texas is right. you know, kind of like where Dallas is in oil trough. Right. Okay. It's nowhere near there. Got it. Horror movie barbecue says the Dudleys were always good at changing their look to freshen things up. Uh, what was Bruce and Conrad's favorite look and style through the years? You know, I, I, uh, always think of them in tie dye, I guess, because I first saw them in ECW that way. But when I think about them in WWE, I just associate that with camo. I think the camo is probably a, a better look, but I'm still nostalgic for the tie dye. What say you? I like bullies, bully gear. Yeah, I can see that. OPW Chris says, did the Dudleys have difficulty toning down their personas from how they were portrayed in ECW? What do you think? Well, I don't think that, that they did tone down their, I think it was just a breaking in phase. I think it was just a, a phase of how to utilize, take what you have here and make what you did there fit. 
And I think that they did that. It wasn't a wholesale change. Them graphics wants to know apart from the TLC matches, what would Bruce consider to be the Dudley's greatest matches? And it's not a TLC, but I would say that Royal rumble 2000 against the Hardys in Madison square garden. I love that one. Yeah. I think you could take any match, you know, with the Hardys or the Dudley boy, the Hardys and Dudley boys, of course, or against edge and Christian edge and Christian as well. Um, I think that they just had some fabulous matches with those guys and you can't discount the brawls that they had with APA. They were classic. Let's do one here from uh, Derek Sabato. He wants to know would brother love have been the perfect manager for Reverend Devon with Deacon Batista. Uh, no, because that would have been stepping on what Reverend Devon was to do. See that too much of the same. James wants to know if the Dudley boys weren't released in 05 and continued in 06, could they have been a big help to ECW's relaunch in 06? I could see that. I don't know that anything could have been a big help to ECW's well, relaunch. That's fair. Um, Mr. Archer wants to know what was better 3d or the doomsday device. Hmm. 3d who wants to take the fucking doomsday device? Depends. I don't want. I don't want to flip over. No, no thanks. Just okay. Put me through a table. Uh, Frank twenty three wants to know: Was Bruce in WWE familiar with the riots that the Dudley Boys started in ECW? I mean, you sort of answered that at the top. But did you ever get to see one? Were you in the crowd when Bully was or Bubba was doing that promo work and really riling people up? No, and I'll get on my soapbox now. I, yeah, I don't think that any time that you you cause a riot, we used to. That used to be the benchmark, man. That used to be, oh, hey, yeah. Uh, I had so much heat that I caused a riot. Um, you should have been there. It was great. They had to call all the cops. <laughs> it was awesome. And and uh, I got stabbed two times. It was awesome. And I beat the shit out of them. They were hanging from the rafters, jumping down and throwing kerosene on us and throwing matches and all this kind of stuff. Let me explain something to you. Okay. Until you've been in a riot, you don't know. And you may think, oh, isn't that cool? But would you really want to be in a riot? No. If you had your wife or your girlfriend or, God forbid, your children no. in the middle of that, when people are throwing shit and they're throwing beer bottles and they're throwing clubs and they're trampling people and they don't care who they hurt. Nothing. You don't want to be in a riot. You don't want to be the one that causes that riot to cause someone to be injured. Riots suck. And the the thing about, you know, oh, well, people don't believe. I would rather have people go home, you know, my favorite didn't win and be upset than my favorite didn't win. I want to go kill somebody. No shit. Big difference. And I have been in riots where I truly did not know whether or not I was going to make it out alive. I have had steel blades cut my leg in riots, not knowing how bad it was, but just knowing that I had to keep on fighting to get through it. So riots suck. So if a reputation is one of, oh, hey, we cause riots everywhere we go. Not interested. 
not looking for riots, man. I don't want some little kid to get trampled because you want to cause a riot. And you want to make somebody that mad that they want to stomp over innocent people and get involved in things that uh, I been in too many and uh, not a fan. You know, back in the day, it was, oh, yeah, fuck, man, they turned over the police cars. It was great. It, it, in the moment, when you're thinking about, okay, hey, man, the return, they're coming back next time, you know, to see whoever get us. But then that next time, it, one of two things is going to happen. First of all, you've got to increase your security. You've got to increase all that stuff. And nine times out of ten, their plans or their people that cause riots and things like that usually aren't the kind of people that are going to show up and do any damn thing about it after the fact. So, um, yeah, I was aware and told them we don't do that there. We don't do that here. And one of the reasons you don't is it fucks up your creative. <laughs> uh, we're going to. We're, you know what? You know what? No, nah, it fucks up your creative. It can fuck up your life because you hurt somebody. Oh God. I know. I was just hurt kidding. Somebody and your career's over. And now you are working for them for the rest of your life. Instead of them paying to see you, you're working to pay them. That's what, that's what riots do. This public service announcement brought to you by Aunt Bruce Pritchard on Twitter. And, uh, unfortunately he is not going to be going to Australia, but I am. And I'm bringing some of my favorite classic wrestling belts along with me. Ballarat, Victoria, Australia, April 11th through April 14th. Our very first international star cast star cast down under tickets are on sale. Now, Bret Hart, Eric Bischoff, Mickey James, Shelton Benjamin, Chris masters, and so many more to be announced. We even got wrestling shows this time. Mickey James is presenting H.E.R. an all-women show, and Bret Hart is bringing the Australian Stampede, a supercard of wrestlers from all over the world. But I'm pumped because I'm going to be on stage with Bret Hart for the very first time, and I've got a lot of questions. We're calling it Hitman, an evening with Bret Hart. We'll also be talking about the 30th anniversary of his fabulous match against his brother Owen at WrestleMania 10. And yes, you can ask Bret some questions as well. Meet and greets galore, meet all your favorites, see the matches, watch the shows, and I'm bringing the big gold. I'm bringing Randy Savage's Intercontinental. I'm bringing the WrestleMania 17 Stone Cold and the Rock World title, and I'm even bringing the old WCW championship made famous by Sting and Ron Simmons and Ric Flair and Van Vader. All of this and more, join us, starcast.com. We're coming your way April 11th through April 14th in Ballarat, Victoria, Australia, you don't want to miss it. Grab yourself a bracelet. If you get a gold or a platinum bracelet, you get all access to all events. There's something for everybody across four days. Pick it up right now. S D A R R C A S T.com. Bruce, I had a blast with you today. I mean, seriously, this was a lot of fun next week. We're going to be talking about the nasty boys. They were our runner up in our tag team poll. I can't believe we've gone this far in our show and we've never touched on the nasty boys. Next week, we'll be talking about knobs and sags and Jimmy Hart. Never know what you'll catch if you touch one of them. Well, there you go. Well said. One of the biggest tag teams of the early 90s. We'll talk about them coming in and winning the tag team titles, turning them babyface, and so much more. Plus, Drew McIntyre 
Evens had some comments on their dark match in 2007, all exclusively on Bruce Pritchard's something to wrestle with. By the way, if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to check out adfreeshows.com. We are just eat up with nostalgia over there. We've got a whole bunch of bonus episodes from all of our favorite podcast co-hosts. It's interactive. You get to jump on, ask them questions on video. You see them, they see you. And we've got exclusive series there like Tuesdays with the taskmaster, like the book with uh, David Crockett. And how about we do Mike Kyoto's Monday mailbag. People are clamoring for that. We've even got one with Nick Patrick, but I do something that's a little different over there. We have something called the false finish. We've done these in the past with wildcat, Chris Harris, Muhammad Hassan, and Zach Gowan. And the latest installment is our pal sin Bodie. He had a cup of coffee in the WWE. And we talk about what the hell happened, including in his very debut match. Let's take a listen to this clip right now. If you're going to put me in there, like by proxy of who I'm going to be against, it's going to dictate whether they take to me as a good guy or a bad guy. But with MVP, he was a bad guy, but he was getting babyface sympathy because he was on his losing streak. So people were really bad for him. Yes. And it was the, that debut was sort of out of the blue. Like this was just like, why is he on TV? Find somewhere to fucking put him on and stuff him in there somewhere. So I was stuffed on in like the third hour of the four hour taping heel that is getting babyface sympathy. And there were so many weird factors to that, that there's just, it wasn't in the cards, I guess. But I remember looking at Dr. Tom as I walked through the, the curtain and, you know, doc knows everything. He's fucking doctor to desire. He's coach of coaches. And I looked at doc and I just went and doc looked at me and went, and I'm like, great. The good doctor doesn't know what's fucking going on. I'm fucked. Yes. You know? And so the match was, was fine. It was, it was an okay match. It just was not, I think what we needed, like I needed to beat the shit out of somebody really lovable, like Funaki in two minutes or yeah. something like that. I That's did right. not need to, I didn't need to squeak out a victory from underneath after like 10 or 11 minutes on a guy on a losing streak, especially on a guy that there's turning baby face. Yes. So like the actual match out of context, it's fine, but that's not what we needed. And again, I was just, I was so happy to be there that I, I wasn't going to say anything. You know, I was like, do what I'm told as best as I could. Check it out. Adfreeshows.com has all this and a whole lot more. By the way, if you'd like to advertise on our program here with Bruce, it's easy. Go right now to advertisewithbruce.com. Find out how affordable it is, especially if you're targeting guys who are 25 to 54. Boy, we got them. And by the way, get your questions in for the nasty boys. We're looking for those questions right now. It's easy to ask them too. It's at Pritchard Show over on Twitter and Instagram. Something to wrestle over on Facebook. And if you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Hit the subscribe button and turn on the notifications bell for our YouTube. That's something to wrestle.com. Bruce and I are going to be going live later this year. And we've got a treasure trove of really cool stuff. I mentioned a few weeks ago, I actually found the merchandise reports from WrestleMania three from an old employee of WWE. How many shirts were sold? How many foam fingers? What was returned? What was the, the profit for WWE? It's a fascinating look under the hood in the business of WWE in the true golden era, WrestleMania three, all that and more Bruce and I will be looking at on the road to WrestleMania. So be sure to join us over on YouTube. It'll be exclusive to YouTube because you're going to want to see these documents, not just hear us talk about them. So uh, go check us out at something to wrestle.com. Got some, uh, new short new shirts and hoodies and sweatshirts and all that stuff available for you as well over at something to wrestle shirts.com. 
And if you haven't already, be sure to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. I'm not asking for five stars, but I will say Bruce thinks five stars are a waste of time in wrestling. He doesn't think that when it comes to reviewing our podcast. So be sure to hit that button. Bruce, I uh, appreciate you gutting it out. I know that today sucked because you're hurting and you need a nap and you can't get comfortable. And, uh, you said you didn't want to talk about the Dudleys, but I hope we did the Dudleys justice today. Always love talking about the Dudleys. Now I don't want to talk about the nasty. Yeah. I mean, fuck them. Who'd they ever be? We'll see you next week right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can <laughs> you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.